0: All right, so I failed to preach and talk to you this morning from from chapter four, but it's from verse 13, and uh, the, the the chapter four is essentially speaking, you know, is Paul uh, James is warning against worldliness and how we war with each other and all the things we have in our hearts and all these quarrels and come about, but then he, this this passage has always stuck out to me, you know, as a as a as a as a section in the in the book that really just hits me, but I. In a context of the world we live today. So let's read it and then we'll work through this together. And I've got a few things to do before we go and break bread together and just honor our king. Let's read from verse 13. It says, Come now, who, who, you who say, today or tomorrow, now we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Ought you not to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this and do that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. And these last two verses really hit me. All such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is a sin. That's strong words there. James does not hold back the way he says stuff. I want to read that to you in the, the Passion Translation quickly as well just gives a context to, sorry, let me just find it here quickly. James, James 4, it says, Listen, those of you who are boasting, today or tomorrow we'll go to another city and spend some time and go into business and make heaps of profit. But you don't have a clue what tomorrow may bring. For your fleeting life is but a warm breath of air that is visible in the cold, in the cold only for a moment and then vanishes. Now when we were kids, we always used to take a stick from the pantry, and then we would pretend we are smoking in the winter. When <sighs> you blow this air out there, laray? Eh? Instead, you should say, "Our tomorrows are in the Lord's hands, and if He is willing, we will live life to its fullest and do this or that. But here you are boasting in your ignorance to, uh, for to be presumptuous about what you'll do tomorrow is evil. So you know of an opportunity. To do the right thing today yet you refrain from doing it you're guilty of sin wow that's that's strong words as james as it says and i remember dudley daniels i think it was he says about this whole um you know your life is but a vapor but disappears he says your life is like a burp in eternity Pup. there it is come and gone in the context of that word, So i want to walk through this passage but i want to focus and we're going to aim at this tables that are before us here today about recognizing and understanding what our King Jesus has done for us and those last two lines we will work to that point but to say like what we do and what and if you know what to do but you don't do it it's a sin that's 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 really strong had leaves us and I, I want to just walk through this so essentially what James is saying here he's trying to help understand for us that when we make decisions when we decide to do things, we, we need to ask from the perspective, is it the Lord's will? And where we go, what we do, and how we do it. And we can take more from this. It's not about what just you wear, you work, or what you live. It's about the decisions, I say, you make that are so foundational to what we do and we live for God. You know, you make decisions in obedience or you make decisions in disobedience to how you want to be for the things of God. And if you walk in disobedience, and outside of the will of what God has called you to be, He's constantly going to be wooing you back to walk with Him and what He has given to you is in the will of God. You know, being outside of the will of God can actually, you can be a troublemaker outside the will of God, but inside the will of God, you're more a peacemaker. And so let's think who caused trouble in the Bible who walked outside the will of God. Just to look at some context. Lot, Abraham's nephew. He decided to do his own thing and move to Sodom. And we know the end results there and stuff. It didn't work well for him because he decided in his own strength, I want to do this. David committing adultery with a woman that wasn't his wife. And the repercussions of that, he decided, I can do what I want to do. And it caused a lot of trouble for him. Jonah is a classic example of disobedience. Of all the trouble it caused him, just for disobeying. And the thing that gets me with Jonah, it wasn't like his heart was even right at the end. He was like, Oh, whatever. If you want me to do it, I'll do it. And God saved the city, Nineveh. But he actually really didn't care. And that book ends, boom, it like ends like that. Jonah caused a lot of trouble for himself for not listening. He said, living and walking in the will of God is actually the safest place you can be. And you've got to understand the perspective of being in the safest place. Knowing the will of God for your life, where he wants you to be, what he wants you to do, how things work out in all our lives, all the things that go around that is the safest place. But it's coming from the perspective of knowing he's not a rule keeper up there with your scroll that's been written going, ticking the boxes. Right? Yeah, they got it. He's a good father. He's a loving father, full of wisdom, full of grace, full of understanding that he's wooing you to walk in the safest journey that he's got for you in your lives. And it's you to walk into that and understand the will of God's for your life and stuff. And, you know, there's, there's nothing to be afraid of living for God. I know young people growing up sometimes ask these questions. But living for God, I mean, you know, it could be dangerous in a way. He could send me to places I don't want to go and make me do things I don't want to do. Well, I can tell you that living outside the will of God is more dangerous than living inside the will of God. <laughs> because the things that happen and play around you in your lives and stuff, and walking in the will of God is essentially His plan and His purpose. He's got for you. That you find comfort. You find security in what He's doing. you. So then you find confidence as you walk in that. And, you know, if you look at South Africa, and I, I like old Trevor Noah. He's quite a, a good comedian. But he plays on this kind of, you know, play on, on, on the nation when it was 94. And we're all going to vote now. and Everyone's a little bit worried. White people more worried than the black guys. You know, we understand that because all the nation... And what is his, his old comedian thing he plays on? He's like, I'm leaving. I'm leaving South Africa. I'm going. They don't know what's going to happen. And everyone stays because Nelson Mandela is a fantastic God. And all going to be fine. But you know how many people left you out of fear? Was that, was that necessarily the will of God for them? Who made that decision for them? You know, that's what, I'm, that's what, that's what James is a bit saying here. You make decisions. You decide what you do. But is it God's will? Is something else helping you make that decision? Or are you resting upon the truth of No, no, I keep telling people I love my nation. I love South Africa. I'm not going anywhere. I'm not fearful. This country's got an incredible future. I'm not going to move somewhere else now. I've had conversations with people. Well, you know, we can't raise our kids in this kind of environment. I'm like, but I am raising my kids in this environment. So you make an excuse for why you need to go. That's what you're doing. And they will look at you horrified. Is God saying you need to go? Because if he's saying you need to go, he will order your steps he will work it out for you. There will be miracles and planning it out. You will find favor. You will find peace. That's what James is playing on you a little bit. So let's just run through this text because I really want to get to our communion this morning as we focus on this. And it's assuming that James is addressing an assembly of people where there's obviously a few wealthy people and they're boasting about how they're going to go around and make money and just do what they want to kind of do. So the first few verses, they verse 13 and 14. There are four things that come out of this verse that Kind of give us a context of our lives, and he kind of breaks it down beautifully for us to see. In the verse 13, it says, "Now today or tomorrow, uh, we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make profit." Life can be very complex. Our lives can have—they have a lot of things that are going around in our world. So you think about—you've got today you're dealing with, you've got tomorrow. You're thinking about some things at work that you've got to deal with. All the things are playing in your minds. There's buying stuff. There's selling stuff. There's gaining in certain ways. You lose in different ways. There's moving. There's different places and people, activities, goals, days, and the years just go by. With all these complexities that happen in our, in our worlds. And the Western world and the modern world is making it more and more complex. Because there's more and more stuff that's drawing upon you and requiring of you in this busy world we live by. So in that, you've got many decisions to make. And apart from the will of God and living a life without God, life is essentially a mystery. Think about someone's life without God. They're going to ask the question at some point, what is the point? So why am I here? I mean, they all know, everybody knows at some stage my life is going to end. You know, life without that it's a mystery. Like, what is the point? Is it really only to make profit on this earth because they think they're going to take it with, but it don't come with you? There's no travel bag on the way to heaven or hell. Sorry? Traveler's checks. That don't work either, my brain. You see, and accepting to live for Jesus makes sense, but it brings peace to this complex life. You see, it's just... Don't worry. you see speaking about hurricanes, speaking about all these things. You know what? The world keeps spinning. Some people believe it's not spinning because it's flat. <laughs> it's spinning. Okay? And there's a lot going on. But in Jesus, there's peace. You can feel the release. See that? All the things you've got going. Relax. Relax. There's nothing to worry about in this complex world. So easy to explain. Life is complex. There's a lot going on. In 14a, the first part of the verse, says, You do not know what tomorrow may bring. There's the uncertainty of life. He's, he's gleaming that from Proverbs 27 verse 1 that says, Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring. That's in the Proverbs. You say, who knows what tomorrow brings? Tomorrow you might walk into work and your boss says to you, I'm, I'm so sorry, but we're going to have to let you go. You You didn't know that today. You might get a report from a doctor that is just a difficult thing. You might have a, a family breakdown, you, mind, you don't know what tomorrow holds. We don't hope for the worst because we live by faith, so we believe for the best. But there are a lot of uncertainties. There are a lot of, like, who would predicted that in, what is it, 2004, this tsunami takes out half a million people? No one, no one saw that coming. No one predicted anything. There, there, there's a lot of uncertainties that we live by. And that's, that's real about what happens around us. And then it's similar to the story in Luke 12 where Jesus is telling the story about this rich man and he's speaking about greed essentially but about money. And this guy, you know, he's a rich farmer. He's got all his um, corn and he's like got too much corn now. he doesn't know where to put it. So he decides he'll knock all his old barns down and he'll build one big barn. And then he can store it all in there. And, and there's a line that says, little did he know that death was at his door. And he's planning all these big things and his life and carrying on. But he actually died the next day. You know? So we store up so much treasure on earth. And the thinking is about it. And the uncertainties that we have are a real thing. But it's rested in the truth and the peace and the grace of our Jesus Christ who holds all things in his hands. See the certainty we have because we're believers. But see the uncertainty about life. The unpredictable things that come away. And I think it's often, you know, it's it's that proverb that also says, In times... Of trouble if you falter in times of trouble how small is your strength it's very powerful because those troubles are the ones that test us and hold on to the truth and the goodness of God you guys are really listening to me this morning eh? okay 14b says so what is your life for you're a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes you know life is short Ken you're 94 in December but life is short we counted in years, so it's like long, long, these long times, but life kind of moves by. And he, he, James is gleaming a lot again, yeah, from Job. And what Job says is the few things that Job says my, my days are swifter than a weaver's shuttle and come to their end without hope. As the cloud fades and vanishes, so he who goes down to shell does not come up. For we are but of yesterday and not knowing, for our days on earth are a shadow. My days are swifter than a runner. He's talking about the postal service. They flee away, they see no good. That's like DHL, never arrived, eh? Yeah. So my number, the Lord says in Psalm 90 verse 12, teach us to number our days. My number is 15,894 days on earth. I didn't count that. I just used Google. It was a lot easier. Count your days. So it was this, why do you worry about tomorrow when tomorrow's got enough troubles of its own? You know, and it's living each day, being in the present, living for the Almighty. Count your days so that you know that today you've done your best for God. You've lived for God, and you planned it that way. That's the thing, because life is short, That we live for God every single day. Verse 16 says this, that as it is, you boast in your arrogance, all such boasting is evil. Now, the reality, too, is man and humankind, is, we are frail beings, we're frail. We're very gen, um, susceptible to so many things. But as he says, we boast on our arrogance. He's saying this is evil. You know, we, we can't see the future. You can predict. But you can't, you can't, we don't know what South Africa is going to look like in 10 years' time. We have a hope and belief and we try our best to aim it towards that way. But you don't even know what next week's going to look like. And we're frail on understanding. We can't control the future, we can't change the future. And this boasting that James speaks about, like knowing what's coming and be so confident about it, he actually is relating almost saying it's a sin. A sin to boast about stuff that we don't know and never hold on. Because essentially, what you're doing, if you're so confident about how things are going to work out and how things are going to plan out with your life, you're essentially saying, I'm God. I got this. Now, I'm not saying there's nothing wrong with making profit. There's nothing wrong with moving towns and making business and making profit and making money. There's nothing wrong with that if the Lord has led you to do it. When you do it out of your own strength, you're basically saying, i got this, leave it to me. And then many, many people wonder why their lives have got trouble, as I said a bit earlier, in them. All the things that go around that happen in our worlds. Okay? It's like navigating an unknown path ahead of you when you don't have a map. I've don't know. i driven in other countries a little bit, and I don't know where I'm going. But there's this thing called Google Maps, where I just follow that blue line. I don't know where I'm going. I'll, I have no clue of the landscape. But that line says, go this way, and I follow it. It's, it's so similar to, we don't know what holds, but the Lord leads and guides us. You know, man sets his path in place, but the Lord orders his steps. As we walk with him, we journey with him. So those are four things that just come out there of, of, you know, life is complex. With the uncertainty of tomorrow, it's a real thing. We don't understand it all. Life is short and there's a frailty about us is how we live and see. But yes, the key part of this thing is to obey and disobey what God is saying to us. And as I said to you, that the knowing and working in the will of God is the safest place for you. But the toughest thing, this is where the arrogance comes in and the pride comes in. Where you know the will of God for you. You know what he's saying and asking you to do but you choose not to do it. You choose your own path. That's, there's the arrogance and there's the pride. No, oh, yeah, I got this. I know, I know, I know. But I actually really i am I'm enjoying this. It's a lot better. And basically they say, we want to be the master of our fate and the captain of our ship. If ever there was a time in society where everyone's just very individual and do what they want to do, then I'm sure that's been through all time. We make it look like we get to decide whether we accept to live for God or not. We get to accept or reject it. Really? It's all about choice. But he's got a plan for you. He's got something wrote out for you. And that's why I said a bit earlier that in Hebrews 12, what he's speaking about there, this is what it means when he disciplines those he loves. He chastises you. He keeps drawing, wooing you, saying, come, and he will keep Walking with you until you obey and walk into the truths that he's got for you. Okay, none of you are smiling. Okay. Okay. So this the, Because many have come to me, well, what is the will of God for my life? What, what does God want me to do? Keep listening. I will help you out in on that one. And Paul again also likens this to a, a runner running a race. He runs for a prize. But if you, you do not obey the rules of the race... You get disqualified so it's the same when we run our lives for God here on earth there's a reward for us for what we do for him one day we will stand before the Almighty and he'll ask us what did you do for my kingdom how did you live for my kingdom here on earth and there was a plan set in order for you to do there's nothing to be fearful of that now that word judgment heavy judgment the judgment is going to be upon those also who never accepted Jesus Woe to you who do not accept the truth of the Savior. We will stand before the Almighty enveloped in love, and He will ask, what have you done? And according to how we've done, He will reward you. All going to be a good process. There's going to be no fear there. There's going to be petrified that like I I've done enough of fear and standing in the queue going, what did you do? What did you do? I mean, like, shucks, I don't know if I've cut the grade yet. I don't know if I'm going to make it. It's none of that. It's none of that. But to obey... See, it's not a, not a head decision. It's all from the heart that has been captured and in, um, uh, enveloped by the almighty God. And this is why Jesus and John 4 can say these words, to do my food is to do the will of the Father. So there's a satisfaction that comes from walking in the will that God has for you and doing as he calls you to do here on this earth. You know, the universe has got laws, There are laws, so one example is the law of gravity. When you're a kid and you jump from a high tree, you realize gravity is real because now your legs are sore. But but then an airplane of uh, thousands of tons can fly in the sky. But there's laws associated to what makes you fall out that tree and hurt yourself to a Boeing that's about 350 tons of steel. That because of air pressure... Because of momentum and speed, essentially what happens with the wings, it pushes the plane up. So it's it's not defying the law of gravity. It's working with the understandings of laws of speed and momentum, and it flies in the sky. My scary moment on every plane is landing. I always think it's going to hit a handbrake turn and slide like this. I'm thinking, oh, okay, we land, especially when it's raining and wet. You think you never know what's going to happen. But there's laws of the universe that operate and work in that way. And when you yield to them, they work with you. When you work against gravity and you jump out the airplane without a parachute, it's going to hurt. That's working against it, okay? But when we work with things, so when we yield our lives to God and we obey Him and living and serving Him, and I might be preaching to the choir here because you want to obey God, I get that with you. But there's there's also involved in that then the obeying of different things like, well, I'll, I'll avoid sexual immorality. I'll avoid things that will actually affect my life how I live for God. But that also means I will rejoice, I'll pray, I'll glorify the King of all kings because you knowing His will is a growing experience in your life. You see, it doesn't land it all to you at the same point. It goes, boom, there's your book, read it, study it, and all the best. It's a growing experience that grows through as you grow in life and it's an understanding as you move on that you start getting the will of God for your life. Romans 12 is, is probably one of my favorite passages that speaks about you know, being an, a living sacrifice. And verse 2 says this, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be renewed by the test of uh, the renewing of your mind. By the, and by testing, you may discern what the will of God is. What is good and acceptable. So when someone asks me the question, what is the will for my life? It means you've actually not put it to the test at all by doing something of experiencing it. Because it's, not, it's little by little. So when you're knowing the will of God for your life, and you're like, I really feel it's, I, it, I, I just feel to do these things. This links with all our passions and our desires that He places inside of us. And you walk in that knowing, there's a growing experience of what He gives you. So I knew as a 15-year-old that I would lead a church. My little guy said to me today, he doesn't want to go to kids' work. He's like, Kathleen's dancing with Ella. Well, Ella's dancing, Kathleen's got her. And uh, he doesn't want to bada bada kids' work. I said, no, go. I said come on bud. you go there you're going to learn stuff i don't know how he said then he said to me this i want to be a pastor one day so i who knows but we're not ever pushed that on him but i knew as a 15 year old it took 22 years before i started leading the bay i didn't even know it was going to be the bay but you see all those years of knowing but then walking and experiencing it was like understanding of things that are so all i know today is years and years and years of just walking and understanding what God's got for me. But I know I'm walking what He's got for me. I'm not walking another path of the corporate world, which I had to work in, but I knew it wasn't for me. But if I'm still there, there were options to be all sorts of management and all exciting with all the money and the bonuses. Wow, that sounds amazing. But it didn't lure me at all. Because that stuff doesn't make me happy. And it's just this growing and walking and walking and slowly as you experience it. Because that word discern in that chapter... 12 there, verse 2 it says to discern or to prove in another version says to prove the will of God actually means to prove by experience. So if you're sitting back and going, oh, God, woe is me. You will not prove anything because you're not trying to experience anything. If it is, go and pray for somebody. Just be generous with somebody. Help serve the tea with hospitality. Help welcome people and just be a happy face. It works in different ways that you just learn these things as you experience as God works in and through your heart. It's a beautiful process. And it's the whole thing of learning something new. When I started learning guitar as a 12-year-old, it hurt my fingers like crazy. I put plasters on to try and avoid. I couldn't because you can't play with plasters on, but it hurt. But then eventually you get the feel of this instrument, and it becomes connected to you, and now you're not trying hard, and now you can add little things. And because of that experience, the, the ability of it grew with a confidence to be able to play. It's like that with things we choose in life. You know, so the key is, when it's from your heart, you know, you see the beauty in the delight. So you see the beauty of the duty in the delight. We've got duties that we serve God with, but there's a delight and a beauty in it when you know He's called you to do these things. And this is the reality, is when there's a grace on people's lives, like, I don't have an inkling to go to the Philippines. But there's a grace on Pat and Cynthia to go to the Philippines, to be in that environment, and it's what they've, God's called them to do, and they walk into it, and then there's backing by his grace and his um, um, supporting on every single way happens to them. That's how, that's how it works. it plays out in our lives. You see, the reality is for a moment, you can't change a day about your past. I'm, I'm sure many of us would only go back and change a few things. If only I didn't do that. And we can giggle about it now, but they hurt at the moment. And you're like, why did I do that? Why did I say that? You can't go back and change it. But you know, you also can't go in tomorrow and make it better. It's today that you live. And you can't say things, things right. You know? And God knew that about people. He knew the way we are and the way we live in life. Do you realize now why he put all these laws and commandments in place right from the very beginning? It was to help people because he's going to he's going to help you say when you go wrong this is how you need to rectify it if you read through Romans 7 and Paul is implicitly speaking about the how it's because of the law now I know where I've gone wrong It, it it makes it obvious and there's 613 laws that the Jewish people used to live by yes we've got the Ten Commandments which is a but to try and live by those laws was very difficult But God knows that we are people that will fail and make mistakes. And God knows when we go wrong. But He's given us through His divine power all we need for life and godliness that allows us to live from the divine nature that He's given to us. So now I want to get to something here quickly. I want to do a demonstration. I'm I'm going to need some hands on deck here. Okay. I need four volunteers. Anyone? Anyone? Four volunteers to come and help me. Okay, I knew it'd be you, Neil. It's always you, eh? Lacquer. Come stand here in the front. There's a box of bricks there. If you can bring those in the front too, for me. They they would be fairly heavy, but that's the whole point. Okay, it's all men too, okay? Yeah. Are they heavy? Well, that's good. Okay, what we're going to do here is I'm going to first give you a demonstration of what happened in the Old Testament times. These bricks that are here in these boxes represent sin. These bricks represent guilt, fear, shame, pride, arrogance, disappointment. Um, There's another word. I want to say all these words. Disappointment, uh, bitterness, unforgiveness. That's a key one. So now, Neil, you are representing a normal person in the Old Testament. So pick up your brick of guilt. Okay? But now what you did, you're shameful about. Pick up another brick. Okay? But now there's fear that the community are not going to like you anymore. So pick up another brick. <coughs> I am 70. Right? Yeah, no, he's 70 now, he says. You know? Okay? And now he's packing it very cleverly there. Now there's a lot of disappointment in his heart because he's let the community down about what he's done. You'll have to pick up another brick. But then, but then see, so he's very good at carrying his weight of sin. You see? And then what happens is he someone does something to him and he harbs unforgiveness in his heart. And he's like, No, I'm not forgiving. I'm not letting him go. And you pick up your brick of unforgiveness. Now he's got a heavy load, right? And he's seventy, he's doing very well. Have you got bitterness in your heart? You Pick up another brick. You know. <laughs> see now, now what happens is. Now what happens is he goes and sees the priest. And he brings, I don't know how you're going to bring your animal with all that uh, burden and weight that you're carrying. But he comes and stands before the priest. And the priest says, you know, by the blood of the goat or your blood of lamb that you've given me, I will start removing some of your sins and stuff of you. But this is all an external expression. Okay? The guilt could still harbor in his heart. Now he walks away free, but just the penalty of his sin has been paid for. The reality of that guilt, that fear, and the shame could still be resting in his heart. And he walks away free, knowing that through a whole year he's going to carry stuff again and he's going to, to come back next year and pay a price for that bitterness, for the unforgiveness, all those things in our hearts. Okay? But it was a weight to you. A weight. And it gets through, but you still could be carrying. It could still be one or two bricks in your hands. Thank you. You're, you're, you're done. You're free to go. Okay? And then we know, okay, Jesus came. His death, his resurrection, but now you are going to re- represent the church in the 11th, 12th, 13th, 14th century that said, okay, so you've also messed up in your community. Can you, take, can you pick up some guilt, fear, and shame for me there? That's three bricks. We'll just hurry the process here. Guilt, fear, and shame. Okay. Thanks, Warren. Okay. That's awesome. So now you've also had a bit of a squabble with somebody in the community, and you kicked his dog, and he wasn't very happy about that. But he's doing stuff against you, so you're getting bitterness in your heart, you're building his things up. But actually you're quite a you're quite a good businessman in the area, and you're making a lot of money, and uh, you have quite a status in the society. So there's a bit of pride in your heart because you kind of rate yourself and this arrogance thing. So take a break for that as well. Okay, now making your jacket nice and dirty too, which is all should be dirty on the inside and on the outside. But anyway, so so now you've also run off with another woman, that's not your wife, okay which is a bit of a problem. Take a brick for the sinful things that you've done, okay? All right, so, but now what he does is in the church in those early times, he would now come again to the priest and they would make him pay a penance. And the priest would talk to you and go, tell me all your sins. And he would confess his sins, but you can walk away with all those bricks because you know what? Those earthly priests couldn't pay the price. They couldn't take it away. And that's why Luther dug those things on, his, on the door and said, Jesus is the one who atones for our sin. And people were not free. So he had to walk away still saying it all, but he walks away still with the weight and the burden of his sin. Okay. I will relieve you of our sins now, but this priest can't do it for you. Okay. Just for the example, you are free to go. Sorry, your jacket is now really dirty. <laughs> awesome. Thanks, bro. Okay. See, we're building a progression here. Old Testament, that weight that people carried. In the new times, after the covenant of Jesus was set in place, the church messed it up. And at Luther, 500 years ago, this is where God is starting restoring back to us the reality of what he has called his church to be. Why it's taking so long, we don't know. But he knows. I was saying yesterday at Company of Prophets, understanding the times. There wasn't internet 400 years ago. God knew the times. He understands when He needs to restore. The last 50 years, we've seen an incredible restoration to the church. I'm understanding. So now these two gentlemen are going to be the examples of the lives that walk by faith. That we walk in the truth and the freedom of the living God. You are going to live a life of freedom, okay? And you're going to live a life, so the words I want to use here, the life that these two gentlemen will walk by. And remembering, this is the process that happens when we burden with sin. Sinful habits produce, okay, when you have sinful habits in your life, they produce burdens of guilt and a guilty conscience. That's what was happening here. Fear, guilt, and shame. And what did Adam and Eve do? They hid. And from that fear, guilt, and shame, it produces pride and fear in your heart. And from that producing of those things, you harbor unforgiveness, you harbor bitterness, and you harbor disappointment in your heart. Bill Johnson says that bitterness is murder in diapers. Think about it. He said the scariest people he's met are those that are bitter. Demonic forces, he says, I can stand up to those people that are bitter. There's a depth inside of them that is hard. Then he says, disappointment is depression in diapers. Disappointment is is depression in diapers it all starts with a little thing and you hold that brick so this man what's your name again bud? Your name, Gabriel. i'll call you gabriel that's a good name to have and that's morton gabriel is a man that's learned to walk by freedom but gabriel you commit a wrong in your community okay so pick up a brick for your guilt pick up a brick for your shame okay and take one for fear as well because that's always there where sin harbors, because we're fearful of things. But you, he knows what it's like to live a life of freedom. So what he immediately does is he goes to the Father because he now has access through the Son. And says, Jesus, you've paid a penalty for my sins. I confess that the wrongdoing I've done in my heart, I lay it before you, knowing that you paid a price for me, and he lays his bricks down. And you can put them down again. Now he's free. Okay? It's just an example of what happens here. Okay, because he's chosen to live a life of surrender. You can stay there, but because he used that example more and more, a life of surrender and life of obedience to God. You see, there's there's a process of of keeping a short account of your sins. And and when you want to walk in the will of God, and you're carrying all these weights around you, and you're making decisions according to. things that you're carrying when you're not making a decision from a place of freedom but you're making a decision where from a place where you're bound by these things that are harboring inside of you okay so Gabriel's journey would be he will walk he will pick up a brick he'll lay that brick down he'll walk an error will come he will pick up a brick three four bricks he'll lay them down it's learning to walk that is what true freedom is this is where Paul says in Galatians it is for freedom That Christ has set us free that is freedom to him he's free now he's free his arms are free because he's not carrying a burden okay now now Morton okay Gabriel thanks but I think we'll leave it there just as the Morton is thanks Morton is not so clever Morton walks in pride and disobedience so now Morton pick up your fear guilt and shame there let's just straight away let's just get all three in there Fear, guilt and shame three bricks bro okay that's quite a heavy burden that you're carrying there. Okay, now pick up another one for the bitterness in your heart that you're carrying. There's real disappointment in you about the things. Pick up disappointment. Okay, keep going. But now now he gets clever. He's like, you know what? Actually, let's go straight to this one. I can carry these in some other kind of form. And so I don't have to feel burden. My arms can still be slightly free if I can just put them in a bag. And I can put them all together. But I'll still carry it around with me. Because... There's so much disappointment in my heart. I could never let this go. You don't understand what was done to me. So the bitterness that brews in your heart, and the unforgiveness that you carry, and Farnus cannot open the black bag. <laughs> there we go. That's it. So put your bricks in here, bro, and then you can you can feel. Yeah, well it is because you shouldn't be carrying it anyway. <laughs> okay. There we go. No, it's right. This is he's he's gonna take exactly. He's gonna put it in his luggage his fear guilt and his shame because that's the reality wherever you go this is going to go with you so what i'm what i'm playing on here is you see okay so how's it feel to pick up the black bag it won't work you see you're trying different methods you had to pick up pick up the black bag let's see if it works no it just breaks right through so here we go put it in a sack, bro. Right? that's much better put it in there okay put all your bricks in there because now what happens here you like you know what I'm so tired of my life here I'm so done with the way things are in this country or I'm so done with the way things are in this church I just need a change I need something different so what you do with all your burdens all the weights that you're carrying you make a decision that it's going to be better for me if I move and I just start a new life start somewhere else so put the rucksack on bro if you can someone will have to help him that's what we do we involve everybody else with our problems and we pull everybody else into our worlds okay but now look at this your arms are free so when Morton now decides I'm going to a different place I'm gonna be somewhere else I'm gonna start again the problem here is he starts and he walks into a new community a new city a new town hey how you bud great to meet you great to have you here and then we get to know him and we realize this guy's carrying a bit of a burden. Man, there's quite a bit of bitterness in his heart. I can see there's unforgiveness about stuff. And it's which, at which point is he going to acknowledge the power of Jesus that he's done for him and lay these burdens down? And so, what I'm hoping, what James is saying, you see, is you boast about you can do all these certain things. And, and, he's, and at the end, he says it's a sin that you arrogantly boast about your life. So, sin is the weight that you carry. When we are free, now it's for freedom that Christ has set us free. When you are totally free and you make decisions based from that place of freedom, you're understanding what the will of God is. Because he he is pretending he's free, he's putting up a fast to me. But all the stuff that's on his shoulders here is a weight of burden that he won't carry. And you know what? It eventually comes out. Eventually, you know, if you were actually tell you what, pick up some more fear and guilt and, and stuff there. You know it's another brick or three I mean it's not bad because you clearly are not obedient to the things of God and the the, the the blood that has paid a price for you now he's hands on free again now why don't you do welcome at the door but it's going to be difficult all those weights. why don't you help serve tea one i'm mean, there's very basic examples but you know doing things together and walking it out it's because of all these things he carries these will get in the way of your relationships these burdens that you carry and people wonder why, why that's happening. What's in their heart? What's in their life? Are you walking in freedom? Because Gabriel was the example of when we go wrong. And what I'm saying to you, God knows we're going to go wrong. Shut my brother, I'll leave you. I'll relieve you of your burden. Someone's going to help to help you. Call Father Jesus Yeah, Yeah. Thanks, my bad. Sorry, I made your jacket dirty as well. You see, you boast, boast about your life, what it's going to be, but your life is nothing without the truth of the living God. And if you want to live and walk according to all that He's called you to be, the point that we come this morning and we come before Him with this table is this is what sets you free. So I want to, I want to, I want to say, if there is unforgiveness in your heart, if there is bitterness in your heart, if you're carrying this disappointment of things that haven't worked out and you in a way, blaming God that things didn't work out for you. You've got to lay it down. Because you will sit here, and then for a season you go, you know what, I'm done with you. And you move on to somewhere else, still carrying that burden, and then those people deal with those same things. Those same things. And until you acknowledge it, until you take responsibility for it. Because all we do here when we live for God is not a head thing. This is not a head kind of, Understanding I'm free, I walk in God, but there's still burdens in your life that you're holding on to. It's all about your heart. If you in your head are saying, I'm fine before God, you are deceived. Because it's your heart that will stand before the Almighty God. It's your heart that will have a conscience of whether you are sinful or not. And it's in that place of conscience that He convicts you. And there's where you obey or disobey. And if you want to disobey, you can make out that you love, but you're carrying a sack. Of bricks. And wherever you go, that is going to be the thing that's going to be forefront that comes into your relationships with people and your relationship with God. But that's grace to us now, eh? See, the grace of God is that you walk like Gabriel and he's thriving in the things of the king, walking for him, knowing that his relationships with people and men are good and before God. It's not just it's not just God, it plays out in our worlds here. this is freedom. This is freedom. Because grace is not just the thing that covers your sins. Grace is the enabling power for you to walk in the will of God for you. And to do all that is required of you. So let's just, if we can just clear the things off the back tables and take the cloths off the tables, guys. I just want to, we'll finish up and we're going to break bread together. I want, if we can do that now, let's everybody go and get a glass and a piece of bread and go back to your chairs if you can. And we're going to pray this together. Sorry, that took a little longer than expected. Let's just hold this moment. And we'll all break bread together, okay? Sorry, I think it's the mic. You see the reality of where we stand with these things, this is not between you and me. This is between you and God, okay? And as you stand before him, or as you were seated before the Almighty King this morning, I want you to, I want to check, and the analogy we have here, what bricks are you carrying? You can just sit down there, guys, okay? So we're all seated together. We're not doing it, and we're doing it individually this morning, that's okay. Because you need to come to God and just ask him what's in your heart. Okay, let's just close our eyes and hold this moment. Just a couple more minutes. I would never rush this because of time. This is, we, what we get to do now is, this is because we have freedom now. This, this was the price that was paid. That, that lamb in the Old Testament, just, it was just an external expression of what it was to remove the sins. But it didn't take all the guilt and the shame. The power of the blood of Jesus that His death and His resurrection now has paid a price. So that the Bible says it's a ransom was paid. So that you now could be purified. You now could be holy before the Almighty God. But yet we still want to carry these bricks around. Of fear, guilt, and shame. Unforgiveness, bitterness, and disappointment. The pride in our hearts. And Lord, our hearts are that we live and obey all that you have for us. So just just check your heart this morning before you come and take of the bread and the wine. Just check your heart. And, And in this process, you see, now the Holy Spirit will highlight things to you. Now this is where in your heart, you just speak and you confess to Jesus. And this is where He'll convict you of stuff that you have to put right in relationships. You have to put right in context of your patterns and habits. You set them in order. And by the power of his blood, the penalty, the price for your sins are paid for. So just take a moment just to confess them to him. Because there's a passage in 1 John 1, 1.9 that says, says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And we're doing this from the perspective of, Lord, see, we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, God, but the assurance that we have in you being our king, we eat of this bread, we drink of this wine, as a symbol of all that you've done for us, knowing that we now walk in freedom. Because we don't want to carry these burdens, these bricks and essentially around with us, and we hide, we get clever and how we hide them and how we carry on. Lord, we hide nothing from you. We hide nothing from you. So we present our hearts to you this morning and say, God, thank you for the power of Jesus that cleanses us from all sin. And we boast in you about tomorrow because you are our hope. So we take of your body that's broken for us, Lord Jesus, and we eat. And we say thank you that by your stripes we are healed. By your body that was battered for us, Lord Jesus, we take on the healing, the freedom that you've given for us. And we eat of his body this morning. Amen. Amen. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that... The blood that you shed for us has paid the price. The blood of lambs and goats and bulls could never cover all that was against us and made us against you. But Jesus, your blood that has life in it, has given us life and given us life in abundance. And as we drink of this, Father, we thank you for the life that we have, the sacrifice you made for us to walk us into freedom. In every way of our lives, we honor you. We glorify you this morning. We drink together, honoring the King of all kings. Amen. Mm. Let's just stand together before we go and we'll just pray. So, I want to say to you this morning go light and go free. Let go. Of those things that hold you back set right things that you know you need to set in order live in obedience to the will of god for your life and you will walk in blessing and you'll walk in favor because we don't know what tomorrow holds but in our god we have every assurance that he is king amen amen have an amazing week be blessed